Did you know that nitric oxide is the most important molecule produced in every mammal? We're going to take a deep dive into nitric oxide and how that impacts your health or how that impacts disease with the leading expert on nitric oxide research, Dr. Nathan Bryan. We just got to get out of the way. And the problem that most people don't realize is that we get in the way. We get in the way by using mouthwash. We get in the way by overusing antibiotics. We get in the way by using fluoride. And we get in the way by not exercising or not getting sunlight or all these things and eating, you know, a really poor diet. I mean, the body is regenerative by nature. We just got to let it do its job and give it what it needs. There are no mistakes in the human body as long as you allow it to do what it's designed to do. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp podcast with listeners in 111 countries about 3 million downloads, and we won the Keto Podcast of the Year this year, 2022, uh, by the Metabolic Health Summit. Thank you for pressing play today. You know, we, we have a special guest, Dr. Nathan Bryan, who, as a matter of fact, just two days ago, <laughs> at the time of me recording this, I uh, got to hang out with the Biohacking Congress event where I spoke at, and he's just a, a great guy and so knowledgeable. He's going to give you a masterclass on nitric oxide biochemistry how that relates to many of the symptoms you might be dealing with. So you hear about his backstory and why he decided to become obsessed with nitric oxide research, why nitric oxide, when you are deficient in nitric oxide, and here is the clue, most people are, you become immunocompromised. It creates high blood pressure, sexual dysfunction, memory loss, vascular dementia, and exercise intolerant. Uh, those are a lot of bad things we don't want. We also talk about the role of nitric oxide with insulin resistance. Mm, very interesting. Very, very interesting. You're going to hear that connection. If you can't make nitric oxide, he says, you become insulin resistant. We get into mouthwash, antiseptic mouthwash and antacids. What that is doing to wipe out your nitric oxide production, leading to a higher risk of a cardiovascular event, also sexual dysfunction. He says, hey, it's better to have bad breath and have a heart attack. Hmm. We get into the connection of nitric oxide and blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. And he shares some really interesting, not just personal end of one experiments, but also these case studies and research studies that show what nitric oxide does almost immediately to drop your blood pressure and how it's not really a concern if you have low blood pressure. It doesn't, it's really just giving the innate intelligence to building blocks, which 
It kind of tells the innate intelligence, hey, if your blood pressure is high, you take nitric oxide, you lower it. But if it's already low, uh, the body's smart. It's not going to lower it further. Really, really interesting research uh, as it relates to, as well, cardiovascular disease. And then some easy ways to increase nitric oxide. We'll give you some free ways. We'll give you some free methods, some foods, some of his favorite foods, and then the right way to supplement with it. So not nostril breathing versus mouth breathing, great way to produce nitric oxide. Uh, he'll share some of his favorite foods, uh, vegetables that are rich in nitrates. And then if we get into his awesome products, which I use all the time, I personally love the lozenges. Uh, I use them often. Uh, but we talk about his beets products, his creams, and uh, also some research on COVID virus replication and how nitric oxide prevents that. So you're going to learn more about nitric oxide than you ever have in the history of your life. Get back, <laughs> sit back, take notes. Uh, I really loved this episode. If you want to get any of Nathan Bryan's products, head over to the links down below. We have the coupon code KETOCAMP, which gets you 10% off plus free shipping off any of the products. So you can find that down below, including his books and everything we, you, we mentioned, including his website and social media down below. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview, that can be found on our YouTube channel, like all video podcasts, or excuse me, all regular podcasts can be found on video via our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash KetoCamp. Let's take a minute to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day from VXLC. Titled Excellent, five stars. Always informative, always motivating, current and well-researched with plenty of links to provide additional insights. Thank you. That's straight to the point right there. I'm so glad you're enjoying the show. And you're right, we have some of the best show notes in the world. So make sure you take advantage of that and listen and go down the notes below. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. If you haven't done so already, please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review. It makes a big, big difference for the show. I'm going to be hosting a Four Secrets to Keto Masterclass in just a few days. It's free. We have limited spots for this one. And it's going to be about 70 minutes in length. I'm going to be leading it live. And I'm going to go through a, a life-changing presentation where I'll talk about beginner strategies for keto for sure, but also more advanced strategies. We'll get into different variations for keto flexing, polyunsaturated fats, and uh, it's going to be fun. Join me. It's free, but you got to register for it. Head over to ketosismasterclass.com or click the link down below in the podcast notes to register your few spots taking place in just a few days. Ketosismasterclass.com. Let's get right into the episode with Dr. Nathan Bryan. Dr. Nathan Bryan is an international leader in molecular medicine and nitric oxide biochemistry. Specifically, Dr. Bryan was the first to describe the nitrate and nitrite as indispensable nutrients required for optimal cardiovascular health. He was the first to demonstrate and discover an endocrine function of nitric oxide via the formation of S-nitrose glutathione and inorganic nitrite. Here's Dr. Nathan Bryan. Dr. Nathan Bryan, welcome to the KetoCam podcast. Ben, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We first met just a couple months ago in West Palm Beach, Florida. We were both attending the Biohackers Live Mastermind and both speaking at the event. And I connected with you and Susan. And I've heard about you before that, but I learned so much more since that. And I love 
what you have dedicated your life to, which is nitric oxide and how that relates to so many health conditions out there. It's going to blow your mind for those listening and watching. Wait until you hear all about the no, the nitric oxide. So before we get into that, like, why did you even decide at what point during your career did you say, I need to really investigate nitric oxide and make this my life's work? Well, you know, Ben, just like every career, it's, it's kind of a journey, right? And certain things happen to you at certain points of your life, and it kind of allows you to pivot and, and take on a new direction. You know, I've always been interested in science and medicine, and I got a degree in biochemistry from the University of Texas at Austin, and then quickly realized there wasn't a big marketplace for bachelor's degree in biochemistry, so the, the job market wasn't that great. So I realized I really need to go and get more education. And there I went to LSU School of Medicine where I enrolled in a PhD program in molecular and cellular physiology. That was, I think, the year 2000. So a Nobel Prize had just been awarded for the discovery of nitric oxide in 1998. And during one of my rotations, my research rotations, I I was under the mentorship of a guy named Martin Felish, who was a pharmacologist who had worked in the nitric oxide field for the previous 20 years. And it was really fascinating that this very simple molecule that's produced in the lining of the blood vessels, a gas, uh, regulated so many biological functions. And then Lou Ignaro, one of the guys who won the Nobel Prize, came to uh, the school and gave a lecture, and I had a chance to have dinner with him that night and just pick his brain and ask a lot of questions. And so it was interesting enough. We knew it was a very important molecule, but there were so many unanswered questions, like how the human body produces nitric oxide, what goes wrong in people that can't make it, uh, you know, what are the clinical consequences of insufficient nitric oxide production? And then, you know, this has been 20-something years ago, there was really no safe and effective therapeutics to restore nitric oxide. And so to me, we knew the field was very important, and that really provided kind of an open point of research that we could, you know, try to answer a lot of important biological questions. So that was the start of it. I finished my PhD in a year and a half, then I went to Boston, trained in Boston, and then uh, got my first faculty position and think in 2005 as a professor of medicine at University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. And we made a number of discoveries over the years. So now we've been able to answer those four fundamental questions. We know how the human body makes nitric oxide. We know what goes wrong in people that can't make it. And we now know how to fix that underlying problem. That's important. So you uh, reference nitric oxide as one of the most important molecules produced in all mammals, right? And you already said it's a gas that's produced in the lining of the blood vessels. And you explain it as a a signaling molecule that helps cell-to-cell communication. Could you get into that? Yeah. So, you know, it's a gas that's produced and it's gone in less than a second. So once nitric oxide is produced, it activates a number of target receptors and then starts this whole signaling cascade. You know, we were the first to describe nitric oxide as a hormone. So everybody, pretty much everybody knows how hormone works. They're produced and they start this whole signaling cascade. But nitric oxide is much more than that. It's actually how red blood cells deliver oxygen to individual cells of the body. And it's also how our immune system fights off you know, viruses and pathogens and bacteria. So when you become nitric oxide deficient, there's a lot of things that go wrong. You become immunocompromised, you develop high blood pressure, you develop sexual dysfunction, you lose your memory, you get vascular dementia, Alzheimer's, you get type 2 insulin-resistant diabetes, and you become exercise intolerant. You're not able to exercise because you can't deliver oxygen and you become fatigued really early. In fact, it's a sign of cardiovascular disease when you can't make nitric oxide. Mm, okay, so you, those are a lot of bad things we don't want. So nitric oxide is connected to all of that. And like you said, it's a hormone, like a chemical messenger 
So let's relate that to insulin resistance. You said that it could lead to insulin resistance, which is really hyperinsulinemia is a more of an accurate way to explain it. But what's the connection there? How does that work? Well, when you look at the insulin signaling pathway, so when we eat and we consume carbs and we, there's an increase in blood sugar, our body has to dispose of that. And it does that through the secretion of insulin by the pancreas. And then insulin goes and binds to insulin receptors on individual cells, primarily in liver, fat cells, and uh, and muscle cells. And then it's that insulin that tells that cell to take up the glucose and clear it from the body. But without nitric oxide being produced, the terminal step of glucose uptake, which is a translocation of a protein called GLUT4, doesn't get the signal to go to the membrane and bind glucose and internalize it. So by definition, if you can't make nitric oxide, you become insulin resistant. So then the, the cell never gets the signal to clear the glucose so you still have hyperglycemia that tells the pancreas to secrete more insulin. And then you get hyperinsulinemia, hyperglycemia, and that's type 2 diabetes. And it leads to the inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction that you see in all types of cardiovascular disease. So what are the top contributing lifestyle behaviors that we do that are de that's depleting nitric oxide production? Yeah, that's a very good question. And people, you know, that's probably the number one question I get is how do I restore nitric oxide production? And I tell people, you have to do two things. You have to stop doing the things that disrupt it and start doing the things that promote it. So if we, if we tackle those one by one, so as your question, what disrupts nitric oxide production? Number one, we're not getting enough nitrate in our diet from green leafy vegetables or from other sources. Number two, people are using mouthwash and antiseptic rinses. The oral microbiome is just as important, if not more important, than the gut microbiome. So anything you do to disrupt the oral microbiome uh, causes really enormous collateral damage to the human host. So there's 200 million Americans that wake up every morning and use mouthwash. And there's, not coincidentally, 200 million Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. So we've published on this. If you use mouthwash, your blood pressure goes up. If you use mouthwash, you actually lose the protective benefits of exercise. I mean, all because it disrupts nitric oxide production. And then number three is the use of antacids. Antacids completely shut down nitric oxide production. And now there's clear evidence that people who have been on antacids for three to five years have about a 40% higher incidence of heart attack and stroke. So if you just stop, get off mouthwash, get off antacids, I mean, that's cost savings, right? So those are some really simple common sense things you can do to allow your body to then be able to make nitric oxide. And you have said that it's better to have bad breath than have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, it's a little bit of a joke, but it's really no joking matter. Because, again, there's a clear association between oral and systemic health. People with gum disease and poor oral health have a higher incidence of heart attack and stroke, right? But I think you have to manage the inflammation and the periodontal disease but eradicating the entire oral microbiome every day, sometimes twice a day with an antiseptic rinse is not a good thing, right? Because you're not only killing the bad guys, you're killing the good guys. What's clear is that the greater the diversity of the oral microbiome, the better the function and the more healthy the host. So we have to manage periodontal disease. We have to manage good oral health, but you don't do that through taking an antiseptic every day. And, you know, we don't take an antibiotic every day for the rest of our life because of the known detrimental effects of antibiotics and disrupting the, the gut microbiome. So why would you take an oral 
antiseptic and disrupt the oral microbiome every day, sometimes multiple days for the rest of your life. There are clear consequences to that. And I tell people, if you're using mouthwash, you have to stop. If you're using fluoride in your toothpaste, you have to get rid of fluoride. Fluoride is an antiseptic, kills the bacteria. It's a neurotoxin and it shuts down your thyroid function. So, and it's not just to get rid of the fluoride in your toothpaste, but you have to get rid of the fluoride in your drinking water, uh, get a home filtration system because it's not just the water we're drinking. It's the water we cook in. It's the water we bathe in. We're heating our bath water up to 104, 110 degrees. So we're volatilizing this fluoride, making it more increasing its uptake in our lungs and causing a lot of damage. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you mentioned earlier sexual dysfunction, right? So your Listerine, your antiseptic mouthwash might be causing some issues in the bedroom as well, no? <laughs> no doubt. I mean, it's it's clear evidence that if you, if you use mouthwash, you shut down nitric oxide production, your blood pressure goes up. And if you can't make nitric oxide, you cannot get an erection, either men or women, because you have to have the dilation of the blood vessels in the sex organs in order to get engorgement for an erection in both men and women. So nitric oxide is what's required for optimal sexual function. If you can't make nitric oxide, you get ED. What about coconut oil pulling? How does that relate? Because that's also antimicrobial, antifungal. Would that be problematic if you're doing it every single day, or is that fine? Well, you know, we really don't have any clinical evidence. On the antiseptics, we, we've published this, and so it's very clear if you disrupt the microbiome, you shut down nitric oxide production. Things like oil pulling and things like some essential oils, uh, we just really don't have a clear answer as to if these disrupt the oral microbiome. Uh, I don't think it would because, you know, it's not antiseptic. I think it's there's another mechanism at play. And look, the good guys keep the bad guys at bay, right? So if you maintain a really diverse oral microbiome, then the bad guys really have a hard time because it's it's a it's a whole ecology there, right? It's a competition for resources. And so if the good guys outweigh the, the bad guys, then typically you have good oral hygiene and the bad uh, odor-causing bacteria typically aren't allowed to populate and grow. Yeah, that makes total sense. And you mentioned high blood pressure. And a lot of people discover keto as a tool to lower blood pressure because it actually helps. You lower insulin, you can lower blood pressure. But you mentioned you got to also take care of the nitric oxide piece. So what have you seen in your research with uh, people who get their nitric oxide levels up and blood pressure go down? Well, there's a direct correlation because nitric oxide is the primary vasodilator in the lining of the blood vessel. So which means when nitric oxide is produced, it opens up the, the lumen of the blood vessel. And so you've got the same amount of blood going through you know, a small vessel, then it's going to be high pressure. If you get the same volume of blood going through a bigger hose, then it's lower blood pressure. So nitric oxide is what controls and regulates blood pressure. So it dilates those blood vessels. So in 50% of the people that are given anti-hypertensive medications don't respond with better blood pressure. And so that's because these drugs that they're doing, they're taking aren't affecting the nitric oxide production pathway. So nitric oxide explains resistant hypertension. It explains why two out of three Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. And if more people would understand the importance of nitric oxide and employ these strategies to restore it, then the hypertension crisis would go away. I mean, it's the number one modifiable risk factor for the number one killer of men and women worldwide. And the fact that cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer worldwide is unacceptable because we know what causes it. We know how to diagnose it and we know how to treat it. It all revolves around nitric oxide. Yeah. And 
if somebody has low blood pressure and they do things to increase their nitric oxide, could that be problematic for them? Now, well, not with the technology we developed. I mean, typically low blood pressure is, is a sign of low thyroid function. So if your diastolic pressure is, you know, in the 60s, then typically that's a thyroid issue. So I encourage people to get their thyroid checked. It sets the basal metabolic rate and sets the tone, but it's, it's a balance, right? So too low a blood pressure, you could get hypoperfusion and you could get lightheaded and all that uh, and, and pass out. But what we found is that the nitric oxide technology that we've developed, even if you have low blood pressure, doesn't further reduce your blood pressure. And that's a very important safety consideration. But the higher the blood pressure, the bigger the effect. And I'm probably the perfect example. My blood pressure is always around 114 over 78. And if I take our nitric oxide, my blood pressure does not change. Neither does my heart rate. But you can actually see the blood vessels uh, dilate through ultrasound or other uh, imaging techniques. So we're improving blood flow. We're just not affecting blood pressure. Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of like giving the the innate intelligence, the building blocks to do what it needs to do. And if it needs to lower it, lower it. If it needs to maintain it, maintain it. But it's not going to lower if it's already low because the body's very intelligent. No, that's right. I mean, our whole philosophy is give the body what it needs and the body heals itself, right? We just got to get out of the way. And the problem that most people don't realize is that we get in the way. We get in the way by using mouthwash. We get in the way by overusing antibiotics. We get in the way by using fluoride. We get in the way by not exercising or not getting sunlight or all these things and eating, you know, a really poor diet. I mean, the body is regenerative by nature. We just got to let it do its job and give it what it needs. And is there any research or any connection between nitric oxide and heart rate variability? Yes, there is. You know, we've got a number of these heart rate variability uh, monitoring devices, whether it's the biometrics and the, the wearables or the actual FDA-cleared medical devices. So people thought for years that nitric oxide just kind of affects the, the plumbing of the cardiovascular system, right? So it dilates the blood vessels, but it also is affecting the electrical conductance. So nitric oxide is a free radical, meaning it has an unpaired electron in its outer orbital, and it donates that electron, so it contributes to the potential hydrogen or the voltage of the cell. But also the electrical conductance parts of the heart require blood flow. So if there's a schemia or an obstruction of that to the AV node or the SA node, then obviously you're going to have some arrhythmias and a change in heart rate variability. So if you perfuse those regions of the heart, all regions of the heart, then both the, the conductance works, the electrical activity of the heart works better, as well as the circulation and the coronary flow. And yeah, it makes sense to me. And uh, we're still on the topic of things that we need to remove, the interference. One more thing that I learned from you is um, statins and actually having a cholesterol under 200 blocks the binding of, in the membrane of nitric oxide. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> this whole cholesterol myth of contributing to cardiovascular disease, I think is probably one of the biggest myths ever perpetuated in the medical literature. Uh, cholesterol does not cause heart disease, but yet the target now is to get everyone's cholesterol below 200. And that's, that's a very bad idea because when you can't make cholesterol, you can't make vitamin D, you can't make testosterone, you can't make sex hormones, and you can't make the membrane of cells that allow for the cell signaling and allow for the tethering of these uh, signaling proteins into the membrane. So without sufficient cholesterol, you basically disrupt the fluidity of the cell membrane. And then there are proteins that are attached to that that tether that protein in there. Nitric oxide is one of those. 
So if your cholesterol gets below 200, then typically that protein complex falls apart and you can't make nitric oxide. Did you know there's actually beverages that can supercharge your fasting results? My favorite, which is a keto powerhouse, is apple cider vinegar. There's a ton of research showing apple cider vinegar has been beneficial for boosting your metabolism, suppressing appetite, reducing fat storage. That's because apple cider vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a short-chain fatty acid that's been shown to promote weight loss in those ways. Also, apple cider vinegar is one of the best ways to balance your blood sugars. A study showed apple cider vinegar improved insulin sensitivity after high-carb meals up to 34%. We also know that apple cider vinegar stimulates digestion, acts as a bile stimulant to help break down the fat you're eating on keto. Another research study showed apple cider vinegar protects against mineral depletion. If you're like me, you probably don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. I think it tastes disgusting. That's why my go-to is Paleo Valley's Apple Cider Vinegar Complex. This is an organic blend of apple cider vinegar and four more gut and health supportive superfoods. I take this before my meals. I take it before coffee. And this enhances my fast and my blood sugar regulation. You'll find it contains organic apple cider vinegar, organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic Ceylon cinnamon, and organic lemon. Since you are a listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive discount code for you to get the apple cider vinegar complex capsules and all of the products over at Paleo Valley. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. By the way, they got delicious beef sticks and an awesome organ meat complex. Go check them out. Paleovalley.com. That is KetoCamp15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. Isn't that wild, right? Your doctor, your conventional doctor, will pat you in the back if you drop that total cholesterol under 200. But look at the damaging impact of doing that. Like, to your point, Nathan, cholesterol is essential for your sex hormones, for vitamin D, for your brain. It's one of the most common questions I get on my social media is I started to do keto and my cholesterol goes up. And my doctor wants to put me on a statin. And I'm like, do you know more people die with heart disease who have normal to low cholesterol, not with high cholesterol? Like total cholesterol as a marker doesn't really mean anything. Uh, it's really the inflammatory markers, the HDL, triglycerides, tri um, LDL particles. So I, I love that you share that because it's essential uh, for nitric oxide to do its thing. So please... Stop trying to lower your total cholesterol. Focus on lowering inflammation instead. That's going to get you down the right path. That's exactly right. Yeah, you know, I tell people, if I wanted to make you sick and make you dependent upon the pharmaceutical industry, I would put you on a statin to lower your cholesterol below 200. I would put you on an antacid. Uh, I would put fluoride in your drinking water and your toothpaste and then make you to where you don't sweat and you're, and you're uh, sedentary by design. And that is a recipe for disaster. And unfortunately, that's the American population. So it's no wonder that we have the sickest population in the world, despite spending more money per capita than any industrialized nation on the planet. Yeah, I think we're like 30 something in the world in, in that category. Yeah, you just explained the average person who has a corporate job, <laughs> sedentary, <laughs> statins. I remember, I think it was my fiance, Natasia when she used to have a corporate job, she I think she had told me in the past, they were doing challenges 
for and giving away awards for the people who would get their cholesterol and the person who have the who would have the lowest cholesterol. Yeah, like it should be criminal. I mean, <laughs> come on. If you pay attention to the science, people would know, physicians would know, the medical community would know that this is a farce, right? If you look at the Framingham study, which is the largest prospective study in medical history, the people that live the longest have cholesterol between 240 and 260. I mean, that's clear. And cholesterol is one of these things, you get it from your diet, but if you don't get it enough from your diet, your body makes it. Your liver makes cholesterol. So if you see an increase in cholesterol synthesis in the body, that means your body needs it. It's making it for a reason. There are no mistakes in the human body as long as you allow it to do what it's designed to do. Amen. Amen. One more stop before we get into some really easy ways to increase nitric oxide. Uh, mouth breathing. Uh, what about that? People are chronic mouth breathers. So what does that do with nitric oxide? Well, you're basically diverting the nitric oxide being produced in the nasopharynx of the epithelial cells. So we're designed to breathe through the mouth or to breathe through the nose and eat with the mouth, not vice versa. And physiologically, there's a reason for that. So when we breathe in through our nose, deep breathing, there's an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase that's found in the epithelial cells of the airway. And when we activate those through uh, through sheer stress by breathing in, deep breathing, that tells our nitric oxide synthase enzyme to make nitric oxide. And then you deliver that to the pulmonary circulation. You dilate the pulmonary arteries, you dilate the bronchioles, and you improve oxygen uptake. And you can actually lower blood pressure. That's why deep breathing actually lowers blood pressure. But if you're breathing through your mouth because of some type of obstruction or just because you're overweight and you, you know, you're, you're a mouth breather, then you're basically di- bypassing the nitric oxide production pathway. And that's very dangerous, especially when you're sleeping, because then you get sleep apnea. Sleep apnea increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. And it's a, it's a perpetual system that really causes a lot of damage. Yeah, it does. And another problem is, is not just those who are overweight that have that issue, but for myself personally, I had braces when I was younger, right? So now my teeth are all crowded and I'm, I'm working with a biological dentist to fix that and I'm wearing an expander. But as a result, like I naturally have learned to breathe through my mouth. And I found myself for years being a mouth breather, sleeping at overnight, waking up and my mouth is all dry. So as I started to learn about the benefits of nostril breathing, I mouth tape at night. I'm more conscious during the day to breathe through my nose and I'm wearing an expander so I don't have to, so I can naturally be in that nostril breathing state. Yeah, no, I think you make a very good point there. There are reasons some people are mouth breathers and one of it is, could be a obstruction. It's a small, you know, palate where you got to open that up. And, you know, there's some really good biological dentists that do amazing work in terms of affecting sleep apnea and overall health. But yeah, you have to breathe through your nose. If that means taping your mouth at night uh, and forcing you to nose breathe. I mean, if you tape your mouth, your body will respond <laughs> by breathing through your nose because your body will not allow you to not breathe. <laughs> <laughs> it has to. And I notice when I don't mouth tape for whatever reason, my sleep is just not as good and I track it with the aura ring. But um, when I do mouth tape, my sleep improves. So I want to get to a point where I don't have to mouth tape, but that's going to be a result of me wearing this palette long enough to this uh, adjustment piece to adjust my uh, my mouth. Okay, so those are the stops. Now let's get into the starts, right? You mentioned already a couple of things like exercise and green leafy vegetables. What? Let's start with the vegetables. What are your favorite? And um, what about somebody doing carnivore? How do they get the benefit of that? Well, you know, I'm I'm a meat eating uh, Texan, right? So I'm a meat eater too. <laughs> I, I subscribe to a, a primarily a protein rich diet, throwing in a, a few vegetables with limiting um, 
simple carbohydrates. So with that, you almost have to supplement. You know, we published this on, on 2015 is that we went to five cities across the U.S. just to, and the question was, how much spinach or kale or arugula or cabbage or celery would you need to eat to get enough nitrate in that serving to lower your blood pressure? A very important question if we wanted to make dietary recommendations or change dietary guidelines. And what we found was, you know, looking back, it wasn't that surprising. The degree of the variability was surprising. And there's regional differences, and it's maybe not that surprising because there are different farming practices in New York versus Chicago, L.A., and, uh, you know, the Midwest and even Dallas. But what we found was in Dallas or Los Angeles, the soil is more enriched in nitrate, so the vegetables grown there have more nitrate in it. And to the contrary, if you lived in, you know, New York or Raleigh, that typically the soil was depleted in nitrate, so the vegetables grown in that soil had much less nitrate. And organically grown vegetables have about 10 times less nitrate. So what we learned from that was you can't ever make dietary recommendations because it depends on which vegetable you're eating, where they're grown, and whether they're conventionally grown or organically grown. So you almost have to supplement the nitrate you're getting from the diet. There's very little in animal proteins. I mean, the animals are eating the grass and the vegetables and then incorporating those and uh, fixing those nutrients into the meat. But it's really difficult, if not impossible, to get enough nitrate from a carnivore diet. So you almost have to supplement. You said that organic vegetables have 10% less nitrates. Is that what you said? Not 10%, 10 times. 10 times less? 10 times less nitrate. Nitrate. Why is that? Well, because to get an organic label in the U.S., there's restrictions on the amount of nitrogen-based fertilizers that you can add to the soil. Right? So not only can you not add herbicides and pesticides, but you can add nitrogen-based fertilizers to it. In replacement for that, they're adding compost, they're adding manures, but there's no standardization of that. You know, for me, I live on 800 acres out in the middle of Texas, and so we grow our own food. We, we, we process our own animals uh, for food. So I know every year when I add a certain amount of fertilizer to that soil that I'm getting the standard amount of nitrogen in the form of nitrate so that that soil or anything I grow in that soil, it's going to have a standardized amount. You know, I've got cows that go and they poop on the, the hay meadows and the, the pastures. But again, I can't quantify that. I can't standardize that. So I think the best case scenario is, you know, eat vegetables that don't have herbicides or pesticides, but that you can add the nitrogen-based fertilizers to them because nitrogen is required for the fixation of many nutrients, the assimilation of things like selenium, chromium, a lot of trace minerals and nutrients. And most Americans are deficient in these basic micronutrients. Yeah, that makes sense to me. What about things like um, sauna? It's going into an infrared sauna. Does that help with nitric oxide? It does. You know, there's certain wavelengths of light that have been shown to release nitric oxide. There's this whole concept that goes back to the 1950s of called photorelaxation. And from an epidemiological standpoint, it's known... Now, that people that live in Scandinavia, the northern hemispheres, have higher blood pressure than those who live near the equator. And that can be attributed to the amount of sunlight that these people are exposed to. So there's both UV and uh, full-spectrum infrared that release nitric oxide. The UV portion of the wavelength releases nitric oxide bound to cysteine thiols. And then the infrared frequencies will actually knock nitric oxide off of metals. So that frequency and that amount of energy will release nitric oxide down the metals. So I like an infrared sonnet 
I mean, the best is natural sunlight, right? Just get 20, 30 minutes of, you know, full body sunlight exposure per day. But I like the sauna because it's a very narrow wavelength of light that you're getting. Typically, it's infrared, full spectrum. And then that infrared light or energy actually generates heat. So you sit in this sauna, you sweat. And, you know, one of the problems with Americans is nobody sweats anymore. Yeah. Right. Well, I do in Miami, you do in Texas, but most people. (laughs) But for the majority of people, even the people who live in Texas, they leave their air-conditioned house, get in their air-conditioned car, drive to their air-conditioned office, and then come home and repeat that. They never sweat. And sweating is the most one of the most detoxifying exercises we can do. We excrete toxins through our sweat, through our urine, through breathing, and through our feces. And yet if you're not breathing and you're not sweating, you're not eliminating at least 50% of the toxins that your body's exposed to every day. So I'm a big fan of sauna. I sit in an infrared sauna every day as long as I'm home. And then, you know, when I travel, I look for hotels or, or gyms or training facilities that have an infrared sauna. So even when I'm away traveling, I can still get exposed to infrared. I work out, I sweat, uh, or if nothing else, I just run outside in the sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a good thing to do. Um, so you mentioned, um, photobiomodulation, right? Red light therapy. So a lot of people have, I have a whole bunch here in my office. Uh, so if you're going to use the red light without the sauna part, is there an optimal place for the red light on your body to produce the most nitric oxide or does that not matter? No, it does matter. I mean, there's a limit of diffusion of the red light into the tissue. And so you have to be directly exposed to the light. So sitting, you know, a feet from an infrared light is going to have very minimal effects in terms of nitric oxide. So I like sitting on an, I mean, I have an LED bed at home that I sit in sit on, lie on completely naked, 20 minutes on the front, 20 minutes on the back. So you're actually have direct exposure to that wavelength of light that penetrates, you know, several centimeters into the tissue. So that is profound. In fact, we've done clinical trials on that and we can reduce blood pressure to about 20 millimeters of mercury in hypertensive patients simply by lying on this LED bed and changing nothing else. Wow. That's fascinating. Okay. So those of you who have red lights, Go ahead and make sure you use it and get close to it. I use mine. I'm, I'm usually like six or eight inches away from it. And I'll do, uh, I have a full panel. So 10 minutes front, 10 minutes back, but you're doing 20 minutes. Is that more beneficial than 10? Well, I think, look, probably the the uh, different wavelengths of light and whatever you're trying to accomplish. So for this LED bed, we wanted direct contact with the light to the skin for 20 minutes because that's what we, on each side. So really it's a 40 minute treatment. But what we found was that that particular protocol using this particular uh, light stem light bed is very effective at reducing blood pressure because it's releasing nitric oxide gas from the tissue, dilating blood vessels and normalizing blood pressure. So how, how long does it take if somebody starts making these changes? So they're not doing any of these starts, but they start today. Maybe they start incorporating some sunshine, a little bit of some exercise. They start incorporating some green leafy vegetables. How long does it take to get those nitric oxide levels up? Well, I think everything is different, right? So here's what we know from the clin- from the published clinical data we have. If you're using mouthwash and you stop, within four days, the oral microbiome will repopulate. So this is a very plastic uh, environment in the fact that it's rapidly changing. So if you allow these bugs to repopulate and don't kill them every day, twice a day with mouthwash, then they'll repopulate and they'll create these biofilms and communities that will protect you, the human host. 
So we, we see that within usually about four days. If you're on antacids, you know, you got to wean yourself off of antacids or you get this rebound effect and really start producing too much acid. So what I tell people for antacids is if you're taking it every day, then start taking it every other day and then cut it in half and then take it every other day and then do that. And then after about 10 days, you're completely off your antacid. So that's about 10 days and then your body can start, you know, digesting proteins and absorbing nutrients and start making nitric oxide again. For green leafy vegetables or supplementing with some nitric oxide, it's immediate. Within 90 minutes, we start to see an improvement in nitric oxide. And again, with the uh, photobiomodulation, you know, within, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of uh, a particular session, you can start to see nitric oxide being produced and changes in blood pressure. Yeah, that's good. That's good news. So I, I think for many people, doing these things are great, but supplementation is kind of going to fill in a lot of the gaps. So I know you have a, your company's great and you actually shared some products with me when we met in West Palm Beach and I, I've been using them and I love them. So maybe you could share a little bit about the thought process behind your products, the name of your company and then some of the things you've created. Yeah. So in 20 years of, of being in the nitric oxide field, we've, we've developed some safe and effective technology. So my number one objective is to educate and inform consumers on what they're doing or what they can do to restore nitric oxide production. And we always start with diet and lifestyle. And I think this has been very informative because if you stop doing the things we talked about and start doing the things that are clinically proven, like changing your diet, moderate physical exercise, sunlight, then typically people will see some changes. But we are trained as a society for immediate gratification, right? And nobody wants to change their diet. Nobody wants to exercise. People want to take a pill that does it for them. Right. So that's what we've done. So in our whole philosophy is if your body can't make nitric oxide, then we have to do it for you. Right. And then we have to restore the body's ability to make nitric oxide on its own. So that's the whole basis for any technology that we develop. So I created a, a lozenge technology years ago, and now we're on our second generation nitric oxide lozenge is called NO2U. But this is an orally disintegrating tablet. When you place it in your mouth, it takes about five to six minutes to completely dissolve. So you move it around. You don't chew it. But during this time, six minutes, as it's dissolving, we're generating nitric oxide gas. So if your body can't make it, we do it for you. And we know it's biologically active because we can look at ultrasound of the carotid. Within 10 seconds, we can see the dilation of the carotid arteries. We see normalization of blood pressure. We see improvement in exercise performance. So we know that lozenge worked. It's a great tasting lozenge that generates nitric oxide gas. And then secondly, you know, we know that in terms of energy and sports performance, that, and you probably aware of this, but beets have been the hero vegetable for probably the past decade or more. And we know that Olympic athletes were using beetroot juice. The problem is, and I've tested most, if not all of these beet products on the market, 95% of these beet products on the market do nothing in terms of nitric oxide. 95%. 95% do absolutely. Oh, in fact, boy. we use them as placebos in our clinical trial. Wow. <laughs> so the only thing they do is turn your urine and your feces pink and red and cause a lot of anxiety. But they do absolutely nothing in terms of nitric oxide. And the other problem is beets are the third most unlike vegetable in the world. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't like beets. They're also high in oxalates too. They are high in oxalates. So if you're prone to kidney stones, then you know probably it's a contraindication. Yep. So... And I don't like the, the taste of beets. So we created a product called NO Beets. So we ferment the beets to optimize the nitric oxide activity. 
but we remove the beet color, the beet taste, the beet pulp, and the oxalates. And now we have a great tasting white beet powder that's a potent nitric oxide generator. And we put this in a powder. So you put it in two to three ounces of water, mix it together, it generates nitric oxide gas. And then when you consume it, we're generating nitric oxide throughout the human body. So it's a great tasting beet powder. It's used as a pre-workout. You can use it as an energy replacement. Instead of taking these things like Monster and Red Bull and Five Hour Energy that are extremely dangerous, a viable option is to take our NO beets because it's now a natural energy source. We're improving circulation. We're improving oxygen delivery. We add electrolytes to that product because most Americans are dehydrated. You have to have cellular hydration in order for optim- to optimize health. And then the other thing is most people are tired and they have mitochondrial dysfunction. So we've added a patented peak ATP in that product. So if your mitochondria aren't working, then we provide the mitochondrial energy for you. So you're getting three benefits of that. You're getting increased nitric oxide, increased electrolytes for hydration, and increased cellular energy in the form of ATP. And it's an unbelievable product, and I'm very proud of that. But we launched that, uh, I guess, about six months ago. But all of those can be found at no2u.com. That's a company called Brian Nitroceuticals. We developed a whole skincare line of products because we knew that, uh, you know, the skin is an organ, just like any other organ. And without sufficient blood flow, that organ fails. So we created a topical nitric oxide called n101.com. We have a nitric oxide generating serum, a whole skincare line, uh, four published clinical trials on that. I mean, typically within 30 days, you see transformative results in terms of fine lines and wrinkles, the tone, texture, and clarity of the skin, a uh, remarkable product. In fact, it's, it's a brand new category in skincare and beauty. Most skincare products are designed to mask the blemishes to hide the fine lines and wrinkles. We actually get to the root cause of why you have fine lines and wrinkles, and that's because the cells of the dermis and the skin aren't getting sufficient blood flow, so they fail. And so if we restore blood flow to the tissue, then you improve hydration, you improve collagen deposition, fine lines and wrinkles go away, and you have a, a glow about you. Hey, Keto Camper, we've been told for a long time When it comes to magnesium, look at the forms. And let's face it, there's so many different forms and confusion when it comes to magnesium. But this company called Upgraded Formulas, they've created a nanoparticle magnesium, so you don't really have to worry about the form anymore. The unique thing about nanoparticles, it goes right into your membranes. It's small enough to penetrate the cell membrane. And the truth is, most people are suffering from a magnesium deficiency. Common symptoms and signs of a magnesium deficiency include poor sleep, cramping, eye twitching, headaches and migraines, irregular heartbeat, stiff joints, anxiety, depression, body odor, and others. Magnesium is intimately involved in how you look, feel, and how you move. It's critical for feeling energetic, achieving peak mental and physical performance, and looking young and vibrant. There's a current sleep study being conducted right now on upgraded formulas magnesium. Early results so far shown that it was given to 212 doctors and they had an average of 30% more deep sleep shown on their aura ring with upgraded formulas magnesium. Now, why is that important? Deep sleep is where your body activates its fat-burning hormones. You detoxify, you repair, you recover. How many of you would want to get more deep sleep? I'm raising my hand right now. Upgraded Magnesium is endorsed by myself, my mentor, Dr. Dan Pompa, 
by my colleague, Dr. Mindy Pels, and many, many others. Another cool thing about magnesium is that it converts into melatonin, and melatonin is the most potent antioxidant for your mitochondria, and yes, it also helps with sleep. Look, it's much easier to replace the building blocks than to put in hormones, and that's what magnesium does. If you want to get your hands on a bottle of upgraded magnesium for 15% off, head to upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code KK15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's upgradedformulas.com. Use KK15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. I'll drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. I, I've been using the NL Beats since you gave it to me. Uh, it does taste great. It does not have a beet taste to it. I just add it to my water. And I think it's brilliant the way you design the the skincare products because like you said, it's not just masking the symptoms. It's actually helping with the appearance, but also helping at, at like a cellular level as well. I do have a question though regarding the NO beets. There is some concern or some people who are concerned about ascorbic acid. And there's some ascorbic acid in here, but the concern that pe- some people have is that when you take ascorbic acid, it creates an imbalance in iron to copper, meaning it depletes copper and increases iron. Is that a concern with this product or is it formulated where that does not happen? No, I think a lot of that is dose dependent. I mean, we, we add ascorbic acid or vitamin C to this product for a number of reasons. Number one, it prevents any nitrosative chemistry from happening because you don't want to nitrosate certain things like secondary amines. Number two, it prolongs the, the biological half-life of nitric oxide. So when nitric oxide is produced, it binds to metals or binds to cysteine thiols. And then through this redox ratio of a certain ratio of, a, of vitamin C, you can actually re-release nitric oxide bound to glutathione or nitric oxide that's bound to any other protein cysteine thiol. So the ascorbic acid that's in all of our, pro, our, our nitric oxide products is absolutely essential but it's only a couple hundred milligrams and we need this. And there's a a known stoichiometric ratio of ascorbic acid versus nitric oxide being produced that you have in order to mitigate any unwanted nitrosative chemistry and to dictate in in, um, the metabolic fate of the nitric oxide once it's produced. Got it. And if somebody took one of your products, um, let's say before they take your product, they take their blood pressure, and it's elevated, then they take your product and take their blood pressure an hour later. Would they see a change in that hour? Absolutely. So if, you're, if your blood pressure is um, high, uh, you get baseline readings, take one of my products, and usually 10, 15, 20 minutes later, remeasure, and it should come down. We're not relying on the body to make nitric oxide. We see the same effect in every person that takes it because we deliver the same amount of nitric oxide in every single person. Our technology is not dependent upon whether you have the right bacteria or not, whether or not you're taking in acids or not, or any enzymatic system that may be functioning or not, our products always generate nitric oxide. They're vasoactive, and they'll dilate your blood blood vessels and, and normalize your blood pressure. That's great. And you were gracious enough to give uh, my audience a coupon code, which is KETOCAMP, um, CAMP with the K, KETOCAMP at checkout. And we'll put the links for your websites because it's two different websites. We'll put it both down below and then just use the code KETOCAMP at checkout. Now, here's the question people are now thinking of. How do I even know what my nitric oxide levels are? How do you test at home? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, we solved this riddle about 12 years ago because that was the number one 
question people ask, how do I know if I need nitric oxide? And it's not like your cholesterol or vitamin D that you can go to your physician and get blood labs drawn and get a number. Again, nitric oxide is a gas. It's gone in less than a second, so it's very hard to measure. But I developed a salivary test strip so you can apply some saliva to the end of this test strip, and within a matter of three seconds, it'll change colors, hopefully a, a bright pink. So the darker the pink, the more nitric oxide your body's making. If it's depleted or doesn't change colors at all, then you're completely deficient in nitric oxide. So the test strips are, I tell people it's a good tool to have in your toolbox, but there are some false positives. So you have to be careful when, with the interpretation of some of those tests. But typically, we rely on symptoms. As I mentioned when we started this, if you have an increase in blood pressure, then your body's not making enough nitric oxide. If you have sexual dysfunction, your body's not making nitric oxide. If you can't go out and walk up a flight of stairs without be, losing your breath or oxygen, then you can't make nitric oxide. If you have insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, you're not making nitric oxide. If you're forgetting where you left your car keys or have mild cognitive disorders, then the cerebral arteries aren't making enough nitric oxide to restore memory, and you've got a problem. Where do you get the, your test strips? Well, we've got a couple manufacturers across the U.S. Uh, that manufacture those, but you can find them online. You can just do nitric oxide uh, test strips, uh, indicator strips, uh, and you should be able to find them. But Ben, before we go, I just want to also highlight the importance of nitric oxide that we've developed over the past uh, four to five years in terms of drug development. So we've been very successful in terms of developing safe and effective uh, supplements and nutritional and topical products. But the success of these and the implications in medicine were, you know, we couldn't, couldn't abandon that and we couldn't ignore that. And I started a drug company several years ago called Nitric Oxide Innovations where we've taken this same technology and put it in the form of FDA-approved clinical trials. So now we're going through clinical trials. We have a, a drug for COVID in phase three clinical trials now that we should be finished with by the end of the year. We've got drug applications going in for ischemic heart disease, ischemic non-obstructive coronary artery disease, Alzheimer's. We've got an Alzheimer's drug in development and our topical for diabetic ulcers. So it's not just, I don't want to trivialize this technology in the forms of, you know, just supplements and nutritionals, but really we're putting this on the front edge of FDA clinical trials to get specific indications for prescription medications that physicians can now use, hopefully in the very near future, to treat their patients. Because what the scientists told us is there's not a single indication where nitric oxide would not be beneficial. And I don't care if it's diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, topical wounds or uh, non-healing ulcers, nitric oxide is the solution. And I think and I'm confident that nitric oxide will be the way that we treat patients for the next 100 years. That's powerful. So all of those medications, their main focus is, is to increase nitric oxide production in the body. That's right. Wow, that speaks volumes because it's not just about the nutrition and the supplements, which is great. It's actually these are going through clinical trials. So that's, that's interesting and so needed. So I really hope that, that makes its way to a lot of these doctors that are doing prescribing other things that are kind of putting Band-Aids instead of actually getting to the root cause. So that's super interesting. Well, the, the, the great news is the safety of it is unmatched. I mean, we've treated over 600 really sick COVID-19 patients and not a single adverse event, not even a headache. Wow. You know, most drugs fail in phase one clinical trials where safety is an issue. So now we're in a phase three trial where safety is not even a consideration. And now we're just looking at the efficacy of certain endpoints. So we feel very confident that the drug is safe. 
Uh, now we just have to put it through the trials, let the drug perform, and hopefully get multiple drugs for multiple indications on the market in the coming years. So my thought process right now in regards to COVID, especially those who experience uh, long-haul COVID symptoms, it's it's like a cellular danger response, right? The mitochondria go in this protective mode. Um, what's the role here with nitric oxide in that? Is, is nitric oxide going to help some of those long COVID symptoms? Absolutely. Everything we know about COVID from the people that get sick and die from COVID to long COVID are people that can't make nitric oxide. We recognized this in March of 2019, that the people that were getting sick and dying from COVID were the people who couldn't make nitric oxide. Well, who was 2020? That? In 2020, yeah. It was people over the age of 50, people who had a previous heart attack that had high blood pressure, diabetes, or kidney disease or underlying pulmonary disease. Those people can't make nitric oxide. So nitric oxide role in immunology is when we're exposed to the virus, and we typically get attachment in the, in the nasopharynx and the epithelial cells, then our body recognizes that. We mobilize an immune response. We go to the site of attachment, and our body generates a lot of nitric oxide and it prevents the virus from replicating. But if you can't make nitric oxide, you're not mobilizing an immune response. You're not generating nitric oxide to prevent the virus from replicating. So the virus replicates, propagates throughout the body, makes people sick. They can't make nitric oxide, so they lose blood oxygen saturation, and they get sick and they die. So that was the basis for us going to the FDA and getting our drug application. If we give these patients nitric oxide, then not only does it prevent the virus from replicating, it prevents the drop in oxygen saturation, it prevents the vascular inflammation from the spike protein, it prevents the microclots and the elevation in D-dimers, and it explains every single thing we know about the entire sequela of COVID-19 infection. And I'm probably the best example. You know, we've got 26 clinical sites around the U.S. for COVID. I've been on a plane every week since April of 2020. Uh, I don't wear a mask. I never took the mRNA shot, and yet I've never had COVID. It's not that I haven't been exposed to COVID. I'm exposed probably every day. But yet my body knows how to deal with it, prevents it from replicating. In fact, I haven't been sick from a viral infection in over 22 years. But we live in a world where we're exposed every day, especially on airplanes and hotels, in mass transit. Uh, but yet, that's how the body is designed to work. If we're healthy and functional, we deal with these infective agents. The body knows how to do it better than anybody else, but we're dependent upon our ability to make nitric oxide in order to keep us healthy. Yeah, well, that's really good. Um, I didn't realize the body generates nitric oxide to prevent the virus from replicating. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, you have a lot of... Um with what you're bringing out into the world with, in regards to COVID and the medications, Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer, they're not going to like it. So no, <laughs> what we do is really disruptive. I mean, when you can get people off of prescription medication, this is affecting the financial model of every major pharmaceutical company. Out there. Yeah, but you know, they're not the, going to like it. The truth is on our side and what we've discovered are fundamental truths. And I'm reminded of Schopenheimer's famous quote uh, from centuries ago that truths, all truths go through three stages. Number one, it's critic or ridiculed. Second phase, it is violently opposed. And then it's third, is accepted as being self-evident. And I've witnessed this throughout my career. I mean, I was ridiculed by my colleagues early on. We've been violently opposed. I've had people come after me. I've had people sue me. But the truth is on our side. And what we're doing is self-evident. Nitric oxide is the most protective molecule produced in the body. And the best thing you can do for your for your own health and wellness is to optimize the production of this molecule. Amen. Amen. So 
We're going to put links down below. You also have some awesome books, Functional Nitric Oxide Nutrition, the uh, Nitric Oxide Solution, and, and we'll put that down below as well, the links for that. So go get the books if you really want to take a deep dive into the science. Last question for you, Nathan, is about gratitude. I'm a big fan of gratitude, vitamin G. So what are you grateful for today? Well, you know, Ben, I'm grateful for having the opportunity to come on people like you who have a reach because I think, you know, the science is very clear in what we've done. But the problem now is implementation and application. And the basic science that we've discovered means nothing without reaching the masses and getting that information out to people. And so I'm extremely grateful for people like you, the friendships we develop over the course of many years. And, you know, the emails, the texts, the phone calls I get every day from people who said we've changed their life, uh, there's nothing more gratifying than that. And so I think I have the best job in the world in, in innovating and bringing safe and effective nitric oxide products to the masses and watch every day as it changes lives. Terrific. I love that. And what's your Instagram handle for my audience to follow you on there? I'm Dr. Nathan S. Bryan. We'll put that down below. Well, I'm grateful for you and Susan and your company and your research and all the cool things you're doing. Uh, I learned a lot about nitric oxide and I'm so glad we took a deep dive into this topic. We've touched upon it from here and there, but today's episode was a, a masterclass on nitric oxide. So thank you, Nathan. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, for those listening and watching, everything can be found down below, including websites, social media, and the coupon code is KETOCAMP. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to a round two with you. Got it. Thank you, Ben. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I told you you were going to learn a lot about nitric oxide. It's, it's such an important molecule. So definitely follow his tips. Breathe through your nose. Maybe mouth tape at night. Eat those green leafy vegetables. But the reality is that could only get you so far, especially with all these hits we're taking. So I personally supplement with their products. Again, my favorite is, are the lozenges, but you could find all their products down below in the podcast notes, but also use the coupon code KETOCAMP to get 10% off your entire order plus free shipping. Camp with a K, no space in between. We'll drop that info down below, including his book, his website, his social media. Go check it out. Go share this with a friend, maybe somebody you know who has had a stroke in the past, maybe somebody you know who has high blood pressure, maybe somebody you know who's a chronic mouth breather, <laughs> politely share this with them and say, hey, I think this episode could be valuable. Let me know your thoughts on it. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all interviews that can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash keto camp, please consider leaving the show a rating and review and go get registered for my upcoming ketosis masterclass. Four secrets to mastering keto. It's free, but we have limited space. Ketosismasterclass.com. Calm. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll see you in the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. 
If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.